We're in a really good chapter tonight. We're going to be in Romans chapter 12. Um, and the book of Romans is it, it's considered a doctrinal book, but if we've been walking through it, you know, uh, it's interesting been here long enough now where we've gone through these books before and I remember uh, a real turning point for for preaching for myself was way back in uh, probably the first couple of years I was here and I tackled Romans and I really wasn't ready to tackle Romans at the time um, and I, I was really into the doctrinal stuff and uh, and then and Don came and and uh, talked with me after church one day, and he says, "Make sure you don't leave Jesus out of it." He says, "You got to have Jesus in every message." And that uh, bit of advice from Don back then, I've never for, and when I'm going through, even as you notice when we're going through our Old Testament studies on Wednesday night, we were Jesus is in every one of them. It's all through it. And so, um, hopefully, this time through, I, I'm, I'm really trying to. I, I remember that for the last 25 years ago. Uh, so, in the Book of Romans, there is a lot of theological, doctrinal talk, mostly about um, salvation by grace through faith. That's the theme of Romans <coughs> in the first, <coughs> excuse me, uh, eight or nine chapters. Uh, chapter 8, it kind of turns around with nothing can separate you from the love of God and those amazing chapters. And then the last part of Romans is now that you're saved by grace, not of works, what shall you do? Should continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. So he spends the last few chapters working on the proper Christian walk as a person who has been completely saved by the grace of God. And so he says in verse 12, or verse chapter 12, verse 1, I beseech you therefore. Now that's a word uh, we haven't seen much in this book, the word beseech. Um, it is a word that we would use the word plead or beg, or I'm just pleading with you. Um, uh, therefore, and he asked the word therefore. Uh, and if you look at verse 33 of chapter 11, he talks about, oh, the depths of the riches, both of wisdom and knowledge of God. And remember chapter 11, he was talking about the fact that we are engrafted into the branches of Israel and that Israel's uh, falling away was a blessing because God turned the gospel to the Gentiles. And that, but God still has a plan for the Israelites. And he ended with, man, how the, the depth and the riches and the knowledge. Uh, look at verse 36, the last verse in 11. For of him and through him and to him are all things to whom be glory forever. So because God's so great and everyone who comes to know the Lord will be saved. Paul says, I'm a Jew, even though the Jews are not They've fallen away. God has accepted me. Therefore, 
knowing this, this is how you should live this Christian walk as a privileged and honored child of God who's been engrafted into these salvation completely by the work of Christ. So how should we respond? Well, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. I like that word, reasonable. I like words. And reasonable is a good word. And when you're making a deal or you're making uh, kind of a, a, a decision, you use that word, don't you? Well, that sounds reasonable. You know, if I you know, hire someone to mow my lawn and I give them a nickel, that's probably unreasonable. And I would say to that person, well, what do you think? And he'd say, well, I think it should give me $5,000. And I would say, now you're being what? Unreasonable, but if we come to a you know twenty bucks, that sounds reasonable. So this idea of living sacrificially for Christ, it is called by God our reasonable service. And for me, it's it's simple. Once you realize everything that Jesus Christ has done for us, it would be reasonable for us then to completely surrender our life to Him. Larry did, uh, man, just such a great job this morning on tackling the verse in Matthew 7 where it says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. There's meaning in that word. You know, Don mentioned it. There's a meaning in that word believe. How'd you put that this morning, Don? Do you remember? But he talked about that, that the, the, the world's thought of belief is much different than the, the Bible would teach. It's a knowledge, it's a knowing, it's a commitment to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so sometimes we, there's a phrase out there in the Christian world called easy believism. You know, we say believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Well, I believe in God. There's much more to it, isn't there? The Bible says Satan believes in God and trembles. So that belief is a more of a commitment. And Larry pointed that out. With not everybody that says Lord, Lord but only those who trust in Christ. So once you get that, it's reasonable that you, I, I, I don't, I'm not working. I've caught myself, I've said this a lot of times since I've been here, that I really want to hear the Lord say, well done. And I've been thinking lately about the fact of, I don't have to hear it to serve him. You know, I'm not working for Christ to earn that. Does that make sense? I just work. He didn't have to say anything to me. He's already said everything he's ever said. Nothing will separate me for the love of God. No, nobody can pluck me out of my hand. He says, well done to everyone who's ever given their life to Christ. Your sins are as far as the east is from the west. So now my reasonable and joyful, you know, it's, a, it's I, Paul talked about counting it all joy to, to, for me to live as Christ. It's everything. Verse 2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And this verse explains a lot about the difference between true, uh, genuine faith. And, and uh, Paul writes to Timothy, and he says to him, I saw the, 
the genuine faith, there's a word in the Old King James that says unfeigned or undeniable. He says, I see the genuine faith that was in your grandmother and your mother, and I see it in you. So Paul differentiates between what's called genuine faith. And genuine faith is a transforming faith. And what happens a lot is if you look at this verse, how is a person transformed in verse 2? By the renewing of your mind. Many times we try to get emotional transformations, feeling transformations. The, the problem with that, we're all adults, we know this, is you have moments, whether it's your, you know, I've done a lot of weddings. Weddings are always romantic, they're always beautiful, they're always great, there are always a lot of tears, and we talk about the honeymoon period of a, of a marriage, and, and then sometimes they fall apart. And sometimes, that, this is that little girl who dreams of her wedding, and, and they want it so badly that their emotions get carried away. When you're transformed, it's not a temporary thing. And sometimes in church services, we build up the emotions and the excitement and get people to come down the aisle and they make an emotional response to the music and the message and the preaching and the hellfire and the brimstone. And we call them out and we spit fire and they make this emotional decision and two days later it kind of... But when your mind, the, what you know that I knew these things I have written into you that you may know that you have eternal life. It's interesting that the helmet of salvation is the head, isn't it? And when you know that you have eternal life, it's transforming. It really is. Um, so the response to our Savior who paid the price for us and, and gave us grace when we didn't ask for it is to serve him, to be transformed to study that word, to not be conformed to the world. We're different. The Bible says that Christians are peculiar people. And then the rest of this chapter, he gives a pretty, um, it's not a long list, but it's a pretty detailed list of what makes a transformed person different than the rest of the world. And so as we go through this list, you can do a little inventory uh, you know, the, the Bible tells us we give an account to God, but the Bible also says in 1 Corinthians 11 to kind of uh, examine yourself. And so as you go through these, uh, there'll be some things you're really strong on, and there might be some things that we have to work on. The first one is verse 3 uh, through 8. He says, I say through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. As we have many members in one body, all the members do not have the same function. For we being many are one body and individually members of one another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to, proportion to our faith. Or in ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching. He who exhorts in exhortation. He who gives with liberality. He who leads with diligence. He who shows mercy with cheerfulness. 
So the first step of a transformed life is not to let this beautiful doctrine of God, we have not chosen God, but God has chosen us, and we are the elect of God, and because God has put away Israel, now he has opened the gospel to the Gentiles. The first thing is, don't think that you've earned this. <laughs> don't think too highly of yourselves. And God talks a lot about this. He resists the proud, gives grace to the humble. In Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 are the, the key verses in this whole thought process. Because it says we're, we're saved by grace, not of works. And then God tells us why we're not saved by works. What's it say next? Lest any man should boast. God knows our character. We are character. We are, we are at the core of our kind of flesh a little bit of, of prideful. And you, you remember how many times the, the disciples who walked with Jesus every day saw him, saw the humility in him. And yet they still ask him silly questions like, who gets to sit at your right hand? Or who, who do you like the best? And, and it's, it's this constant thing of we, and, and our denomination is this and your denomination is that. And we, God loves us more because we don't do what you do. And we dress better and we don't do those things. And how many conversations in your life have you had about that? Well, our church, you know, we don't, you know, we don't wear jeans in our church or we don't, you know, and some, we do this. Sometimes I catch myself doing it, you know. That we, it's a real subtle thing that I do sometimes, and it's really egotistical, and it's, probably, it's sinful, but I, and I don't do it on purpose. But I, I sometimes boast in the fact that we sing hymns because people don't sing hymns anymore. And I say, well, yeah, we still do. We still sing hymns. And then I'll, the other one I'll sometimes camp on is, yeah, we don't take an offering. And I kind of drop that a little bit, but it's it's kind of a prideful thing. Who cares, you know? And so, uh, but it's different if you say, you know what? God has really taken care of this church over the years. This church is a very giving church, one of the more uh, giving churches I've ever seen or been a part of. That's boasting in you and and how God has supplied all of our needs. It's been a miracle. Um, so. Don't boast. Don't think of yourselves more highly than you ought to think. Yes, and, and sometimes, you know, um, in the doctrine of election, um, and I've been involved with this as far as being um, the, uh, the school has mostly Dutch Reformed, and they have an idea of, of covenant children. And sometimes you can get to the fact of, the reason God has chosen me is because I'm special. And you have to really be careful with that. You really do. Um, the other thing about this is no ministry, job, uh, gift, or, or um, well, I'll just use the word gift because that's the word it uses in verse 6. Larry, does the old King James use the word gift in verse 6? Okay, so if God uses it, we can use it. It's a because oh, what do we do with that word? Oh, I've got this gift from God. God gives me the gift of preaching or the gift of singing, and we start to promote ourselves again. But the idea of gifts is not that we are gifted. We just have different uh, things that we tend to want to do, and and that we're good, we're better at than other things. 
Yes. I don't know why I've never looked at it that way before. I'm never going to forget that. I've never looked at it. The fact if it's a gift from God, you really can't take pride in it because it's not like, you know, because, you know, it's like if Liz has beautiful earrings and you say, oh, I love those earrings, uh, she can say, oh, I found them at a thrift store. And you'd say, man, you're a great shopper. If she says, oh, John bought me these for my birthday, well, she's not, she can't, then, yeah, I like that. It's a gift. Not lest any man should boast. That's a really good. I don't know why I've never seen it that way before. Um, but in this, you have a list. You have prophecy. And the word prophecy is just the ability to share the truth. Um, I don't have a lot of uh, great abilities. But I, have, I, I do have a way of seeing complicated things in Scripture and simplifying them to a, a place where a sixth grader can understand it. And um, um, whether it's the silly jokes or, or whatever my mind works, it's not really complicated up here, so it gives me the ability to do that. Uh, so I think prophecy and then teaching is in there. Um, then uh, ministry. Now ministry would be uh, Dave. The, 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 the word ministry is one that's an administrator, one who could organize, one who, uh, an accountant kind of a thing. It's, it's more of a organizer. Uh, teaching, Larry definitely, you see that teaching. And if you've ever said, I know when uh, Don was teaching his Sunday school class years ago, exhorts, exhortation. Sometimes people are encouragers. Uh, giving is a gift. Isn't that interesting? Some people just they have a gift for not only accruing finances, but they have a gift for being generous. Uh, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. And, and years ago, I was given a test by a pastor years ago. I think we were in Michigan at the time. And the purpose was to discover your spiritual gifts. Don't take those. They're, they're, they're just not... Uh, so, uh, Ryan, one of his favorite things, he's, is, what's it called? Generary, but if you're a nine and you're an eight and you're a one, and he has all of these, uh, and he's, and I said, well, so I was talking about it the other day, and I said, well, that's in the Bible. And he goes, it is, yeah, we're all different. We all have different characteristics and one body with different things. And so, therefore, don't get, I tell you what we've done is uh, in our churches, modern day worship has just created a, a, a just people who are, are kind of frustrated rock stars. They want to be up on the stage and they want to play and and uh, they I, I know Jonathan, you know, he was being paid by Central Presbyterian to play drums for them and he was walking far away from the Lord and uh, we didn't say anything because it's the only way he got him in church at the time he got paid to go to church but it's just not the way you do it it's, it, that, that is either to me these, these are either volunteer or, or not but anyway uh, verse 9 let love be without hypocrisy abhor what is evil cling to what is good. 
Um, what a verse. We could spend the rest of our time on this verse. Uh, let love be without hypocrisy. Love is very, very simplified in this fact. 1 Corinthians 13, there is faith, hope, and love. These three, and the greatest of these is love. Uh, Larry read some verses from there today. If I speak with tongues of angels and clanging cymbals and all those things that have not love. So how does love be without hypocrisy? If you truly know transformed by the love of Christ. That's what transforms us. And uh, the, the we as human beings want to hold ourselves completely accountable for sins forever. God wipes them away because his love. While we were yet sinners, God demonstrates his love for us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. There's no greater love than any man could show, but what? You lay down your life. And Jesus didn't lay down his life for friends. He laid his life down for people who wanted nothing to do with him while we were sinners. And so it's, it's that parable where the man owed a bunch of money and he was forgiven his debt. And then he went to a guy who owed him a little bit of money and put him in prison. That's what this is. The, the debt we owe for the unconditional love of Christ that's unmerited grace and favor, it would be hypocritical to not show that same love towards others who are, by the way, not going to be everything we want them to be. Their lives are not going to be living uh, the way. And that's, that's um, Liz and I, we were talking about this the other night. Liz and I do our best to have unconditional love for our friends, our families, neighbors. We, we work on that. I, I, that verse scares me where God says, if you don't forgive others, I'm not going to. So forgiveness and love. Um, but boy, there, there are people in our lives who do not have it for us. And we were talking the other night, and I, I thought, we're not that bad, are we? It's like, we're nice people. And, but not everybody has that. But when you... Relate it to Christ. You see what I'm saying? It, it, if I see others the way I now see how Christ sees me, boy, oh boy, it makes it so much. It's not hypocritical. I do genuinely have compassion, empathy, love for the lost. You know, when I, when I see a pride parade, I don't see a bunch of gay people that I wish would get out of our country. I see... This world is lost. They're just lost. Um, abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. Paul discussed this when he talked about his war with the flesh and the, his mind um, in, in Romans 7. Um, verse 10, be kindly, effective, be kindly affectionate one to another with brotherly love in honor, giving preference to one another. A Christian life is one that has genuine love because we see how Christ treats us. It's one that is not saying that you are sinless, but I would venture to guess everyone in this room, when you fail God, it just drives you nuts. It really bothers you. And <coughs> I hate this flesh, which was what Paul talked about in Romans 7. And then being, <coughs> excuse me, kind kindness is lost kindness is lost 
And we've got to be careful. We, we, when Christianity kind of hooked itself up to politics, it really lost a lot of the kindness. <clears throat> and we have given us permission to be unkind because of the unkindness of the world towards Christianity and morals. That's not what God tells us to do. He says, with brotherly love, in honor, giving preference to one another. <coughs> Ephesians 4.31 says, let bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away. And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ has forgiven you. So it's very simple in that verse. I am to forgive others in accordance with the same measure that God has forgiven me. So how much forgiveness is that? It's complete. It doesn't stop. It doesn't end. Philippians 2, 3. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look not, out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Others have to come first. I was speaking to a pastor, and he just took a job at a, at a place, and his family was, came visiting the church, and uh, only been there about a month, and the pastor had a meeting with this person and said, uh, we don't think your family is good for our church. We would like you to we think we'd like you to ask him to go to a different church. Well, that's the very opposite of these verses. It's the very opposite. And so we want to be careful. Prefer God, let each of you look down on for all interests, but also the interest of others, and esteem others better than yourselves. Always, you know, give up the last cookie, the last person in a potluck. Make sure the last person to go, and, and always in that mindset because it's peculiar it's different it's not how the world works um, and and take a step back remember the goal is to win people to christ not to win and this world is too much too much uh, of this stuff uh, verse 11 not lagging in diligence fervent in spirit serving the lord rejoicing in hope patient in tribulation Continuing steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality. So there's a lot in those verses, but we can go through them quickly. One, verse 11, tells us to serve the Lord. There's lots of different things you can do, and everybody in this room serves the Lord, whether it's working on our computers or the lights outside the church that uh, Larry and Josiah are doing, whether it's Commander of Awana. Uh, whether it's sending texts out every day, whether it's working with uh, the children, uh, whether it's just praying and raising your children, and whether it's whatever it might be, there's there's this old, all of this room has a sense of service. Sometimes it's just giving to the needs uh, of the, those in the church, um, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope. Uh, so, what is the blessed hope according to the Bible? What is what are, when God says to rejoice in hope? What does the Bible say is our hope? The glorious, appearing. the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. I think that was the very first verse I memorized in uh, on the Wana book. I remember that specifically. Or it might have been on a verse card from Awana. 
But I just remember that, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior. We know he's coming back. Patient in tribulation. That's a trait of a transformed life. And Josiah and Courtney, I think you two are patient, but I will let you know, as your hair turns gray, patience gets easier. And it gets easier only because you've been through so much tribulation at times, you have experiences of God getting you through it. And it, it is more patient. Continuing steadfastly in prayer, I hope that you have a organized prayer life. Distributing to the needs of the saints and given to hospitality. Um, so those are all things that, that, if you'll notice, they're kind of things that the ministries of this church try to plug into those type of things. Hospitable, helping people, steadfast in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints, those kind of things. Uh, verse 14, a little harder. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. That is certainly a characteristic of a transformed life. That is not something we do by nature. Does that make sense? That is, to me, uh, uh, for me anyway, that, that's the spiritual side of me that can do that. Um, I rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. So chew on that verse for a while. And I'm going to give you a scenario. This is a junior high scenario. It's always kind of driven me a little crazy. And we've always had some pretty uh, deep talks when I've heard this. But junior hires, and adults kind of do this every once in a while. But junior hires have a thing where somebody will come in and say, uh, how, hey, how was your weekend? It was great. We went to Disneyland. We, just, we went to Disneyland Saturday. And the person will say, so? I've been to Disneyland like five times. We were to stay. Cause we, and it's like, why can't you rejoice with someone who rejoices? How does it become a contest? Or someone comes in on a Monday morning. How was your weekend? Oh, our dog died. Well, it's just a dog. And it's just like, why? Why are we so competitive? And it's like, oh man, my shoulder really hurts. Oh, your shoulder hurts. Well, what do you? I see my back, and I had. So, and it's like, oh, I didn't know it was a contest. I didn't. I didn't know we were battling for attention. And the Bible says, as a Christian, to esteem others, weep with those who weep, and rejoice with those who rejoice. I remember years ago, my, I, I, I got along pretty good with my older brothers. But my oldest brother, Bob, slugged me one time. The only time he ever hit me. He hit me hard. He was really mad. And it was just simply, I was a little kid, and we were going bowling. And we didn't do things with family a lot. And, and it was the only thing really in the house I was better at than everybody. So I was really excited about going bowling. And my dad had an appendicitis attack. And he actually had to rush him to the am in an ambulance, and they had to take his appendix out before it burst. He was on the floor writhing in pain, and the ambulance got there. And my mom's crying, and she, was, she didn't handle those things well. And the ambulance gets there, and they're loading him on the gurney. And I go, so we're not going bowling? I wasn't weeping with him who weeped. And my older brother correctly 
slugged me in the arm as hard as he could and told me to shut up. And I deserved it. I was violating this verse, but I wasn't a Christian at the time. But man, that's a human. That's not the way. We want to be different. Be of the same mind toward one another. Don't set your mind on high things. Associate with the humble. Don't be wise in your own opinion. That verse, or that phrase, don't be wise in your own opinion, that kind of got tossed in the garbage once social media started. Because that's all social media is. It's just people being wise in their own opinion. When we talked this morning uh, about uh, Demetrius, and when they brought Alexander in, and they just screamed for two hours because they were not going to hear any explanation of what was going on. And that is what we, we want to be careful. And that's why uh, when, I, when I post things, whether if I put the sermon on Facebook or I put a proverb on Facebook, I never comment. I never comment because I know how my... I'll talk so much you won't even know the verses there anymore. <laughs> and and I and I try to hide and sometimes even in Larry's teaching Sunday school, I'll be sitting over there and I just go, Don't say anything, just shut up. I'll, but but he inspires me and I it's like, Oh, that makes me think of this verse and that verse, but it's like don't be wise in your own opinion. So we stick with the verses. Um, how do we be of the same mind? How can that happen? Yeah, we, we everybody wants unity. Isn't that what people cry out for? Oh, this country needs to come together. Well, they can't come together unless they decide what they're going to come together on. There has to be a fundamental thing we, we are unified on. And for the church, it's why, you know how many different types of personalities we have in this church? But when we stay on Christ... We all rejoice in the same thing. We have the same mind. It's a beautiful thing. Verse 17, these are verses that, uh, there's only four more verses, and they're verses that we've talked about. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. Verse 18, is, I love this verse. It's one I repeat to myself a lot. It says, if it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. This is what Liz and I were talking about the other night. We were just kind of doing a little bit of a mind, was doing a self-examination of are we doing everything possible to live peaceably? Because everybody wants to live peaceably with me. And we, we were praying that the subject came up because of uh, her poor sister. They're having a tremendous uh, battle with John's sisters who has passed away. They kind of live and they're, they're all Christian Sunday school teachers and they're just saying the most awful things to each other on social media of all places about why he's sick and it's just, it, it is, if at all possible, as much as depends on you, we all know that sometimes people just don't want to live peaceably with a Christian. They don't want to hear it. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. All of the wickedness in the world, you don't have to fix it. God sees it. He's either going to allow it or he's going to take care of it. And we just got to let him do his work. 
We've got to let him do the work. Uh, he'll have vengeance. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him drink. For in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. We've talked about this verse a lot. It's actually a quote from the Old Testament. But it, it, the, the heap of coals, the, the scenario here is where you have a little uh, stove for heat and cooking in your, uh, in your home and, you run, and the fire goes out. You go next door and you can borrow a coal from your neighbor. And the coal at the time was carried on a pot that you would carry. You'd have some padding on your head and you would carry the coal on top of your head. So the idea is by helping your enemy, it's like somebody borrowing milk and you pay their rent also. <laughs> you know, you just take care of them. You go over and about. All right, because some people say, yeah, I love your enemies. Like, it's going to make them feel so bad and guilty. It's going to be like fires of coal on their head. Well, that goes the opposite of everything God teaches about the idea of kindness and giving. Um, Especially when he gets, just gets done talking about revenge. Yeah, he just says, yeah, it's, I'll repay, but here's something you can do. And... Uh, but boy, for, it, for a long time, I didn't, I didn't know what this was talking about. Uh, verse 21, very simple. Uh, do not overcome, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. First Peter 2.9 says, We're a chosen generation, a holy nation, a peculiar people. Um, and that's what God wants us to do. If you were to, um, again, we're not going to be perfect. But these are certainly guidelines for us that will convict us as we're, if we're not walking in some of these things. Um, and uh, frankly, there's a lot of Christians, especially in our current political situation, where they just have, think they have permission to ignore some of these verses uh, because it, we're fighting for our country. We are. We are fighting for our country. But th the only thing that's really going to turn our country around is what Josiah did, taking that Bible and reading it and having the people decide we're going to live by the book from now on. So the, the answer is to continue to preach, to continue to preach the gospel, preach the truth. Um, last verse, 2 Timothy 2.14, he tells Timothy to remind them of these things, charging them before the Lord not to strive about words to no profit, to the ruin of of the hearers. So the thought process here is, is what I'm saying, what I'm posting, is it going to be an edifying statement that will have an impact on somebody coming to Christ? And that is the reason we're here, to preach the gospel, to reach the lost, and I, boy, Pastor Rick and I have talked about this. It's easily, we're easily distracted. And we're easily distracted and easily negative and easily uh, angry. And we got to shake that. If you read these, uh, this chapter, this is the way God wants me to be. So now I have to examine myself and say, okay, are there areas in my life where... Boy, I need to prove in that area, that area, or that area. So I leave those verses with you, the chapter with you. And uh, the Holy Spirit will work.
in your lives and you will respond as you guys always do uh, to uh, improve and, uh, and stay steady. Any comments or questions? Lord, we thank you for this chapter. It's, it's a pretty clear uh, set of, of guidelines for us. And Lord, these things are not natural. They follow up the fact that we are transformed by the renewing of our mind, the knowledge of Jesus Christ, the knowledge of salvation, the knowledge of your return and the hope. Uh, this prompts us to live a life that is peculiar, different, and meant to draw people to the love of Christ. Lord, help us to do myself a better job. In Jesus' name, amen.